Welcome back to Geeks Inherited of the Earth. I'm JC. I'm CK. Jamie Skull. I am Mike D. And we just watched The Suicide Squad. Yeah. Holy shit. I'll say we experienced The Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, there's not a single second in two hours and 11 minutes that is not just jam-packed. Like, this is his magnum opus. It was uh-huh. a delight. There's a lot going on, a lot of dense storytelling, but clean storytelling. It never felt cluttered. Yeah, and it's and the the, the narrative was solid. I think okay, in case you didn't see spoiler in the title. Yeah. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Spoilers. If you have not watched this movie yet and you plan on it, I sincerely implore you to stop fucking listening to us right now. The entire movie is just one spoiler after another. Yeah. Yeah, and if you think you got anything from the trailers for what you think is a plot, oh. go fuck you. You <laughs> are wrong Shit. for real. Like the, it, it, it's, there's a, it's a, there's a lot of silliness, but it's in a fun way, and uh, it's funny. There's a lot of humor, uh, great humor, and a lot of silliness. Smart humor, smart humor, and it's, uh, and it's uh, some silly stuff that that he manages to make. Um, really interesting and fun and and seem serious even though you know it's silly and if that's not enough for you john cena's dick <laughs> <laughs> tidy whities tidy whities that's racist <laughs> you wearing underwear <laughs> um the only okay okay i will say this before we dive into this my only gripe about this is if you know about suicide squad and you know about james gunn when it showed all that list with don't get attached if you didn't expect there to be a fake out in the beginning with a bunch of people dying after seeing the trailers where you see like Flula Borg and my Horrocker and all these people and, you know, Pete Davidson and, you don't Fillion. See him, <laughs> and Nathan Fillion, you don't see him in any of the other footage. I never pieced it together until it started and it showed them all walking out. I'm like, I ain't seen any of you bitches except for Harley and flag. Okay. You guys stand a shot for at least half the movie. The rest of you, I give it 15 minutes. Uh, the first death I clocked it happens at seven minutes and thirty nine seconds into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, is that yeah. Weasel? Yeah, it's not really a death. Yeah, we, Weasel lives. He gets back up and Weasel leaves. Weasel lives. That's oh yeah, that's last, right. Yeah, yeah well, he gets back up and leaves. It's still a death because he drowned. Yep. <clears throat> he just came back. <laughs> um, just just out the gate, seeing like like it, 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 hey, the tone is set. Perfectly for James Gunn's profi- you know, professive love of like 70s spy and espionage movies. The difference being is it's filmed in those red cameras, those small rotating IMAX cameras. This is the first time they've got to do a whole movie into it that I could find and research in between like the 15 minutes of watching the movie and starting this. So I could be dead ass wrong. But the little featurette that it showed at the end of the or on HBO Max claims that, you know, it's not been used like this before, but the amount of content, most movies will have that one moment where you see that huge continuous shot. This is two two hours and 11 minutes filled with the huge continuous shots and they do it in fucking dialogue, which is so fucking, br- why? Christopher Nolan invented the idea of the rotating IMAX cameras. Not once have I seen a 20 person conversation with the intense, you know, like the shield style hand cam just going around everybody. The, the filming, the 
art, the music, and it, the fact that they put in those are people who died that early yes. in the movie. It fell out my fucking, fucking fuck Yes. Dude, that's when I freaked out because like I was like, this is the perfect use of a song ever. With the Jim oh, Carroll yes. bands, this mm, yeah, people yeah. have died. I was like, yes, this is it. This is where you use it. And those intro credits after everybody, spoilers, fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can we just dive into this for a second? Yeah. Like, I, there's no way we can talk about this movie linearly, but we have to begin with the any, the beginning of this. of When you just see, especially when you see Pete Davidson messing with everybody and them uh what was it the dismembered uh, tdk or whatever like how TDK. do you yeah the detachable kids yeah, detachable kids. Kids. like as soon as i saw nathan fillion and we actually had talked about this when the movie first got announced and we saw the roster we talked about this on the show but as soon as we saw nathan fillion's name we're like oh he's not making it like 10 minutes no. into the movie <laughs> we fucking called that yeah <laughs> hey by the way uh cody can back me up on this if i'm not mis- i might be thinking another character but isn't that character in the comics named Arms Fall Off Lad? Yeah, it's Arms Fall Off Boy. Arms <laughs> Fall Off Boy, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and like when the, when the arms detach, all it does is just bitch slap them. <laughs> He's not like doing awesome fighting moves. He's doing like three Stooges shit to him. Yeah. <laughs> just slapping. <laughs> it's such a great distraction because they're like, what the fuck? There's like trained military professionals and they're like, oh, I'm getting slapped by these detachable and they're arms. Like, they're like, okay, deploy the detachable kid. They're like, oh my God, they're deploy the detachable kid. You think something crazy? Crazy and amazing is going to happen, and he's just like. Meek, 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 meek. Also, okay, let no, me no, let me remind you of something real quick. Hang on, that yeah, it, when it shows everybody like deceased and stuff, when it showed the detachable kid, and it didn't show anything after this, it said critical condition. Just oh shit! Putting that out there too. <laughs> That's oh, there is no way in hell they can make a sequel to this movie, nor do no. I think they ever <laughs> fucking do. There's no way. Once you, once you hit the top of the mountain, when you when you apex past that, it's downhill. There's no way to beat this. No, no, this is... and and I I wished I would have pieced it together earlier. Okay, I saw Flulaborg's name on it, and I'm like, okay, Flulaborg's not going to make it past the first 15 minute mark. But the fact he was javelin and he shows her walking around with that damn thing and all the trailers, and I never pieced it together knowing who it was, shows how brilliant they put those trailers together to not tell you a fucking thing. This yeah, that was smart. really cool that he was like, "You're the only person." That's worthy of carrying my javelin. He tries to give her some description of why she needs it. And he's like, oh, yeah. And then he's like, carry it for, and then he dies. And she's like, carry it for what? Carry it for. And then they all surround her, and she's like, he didn't tell me who to carry this for. (laughs) And that javelin is fucking crazy. And I, I do like the fact, by the way, when we're speaking on the deaths of this, because the javelin's going to be its whole, whole fucking segment. Uh, Michael Rooker getting his head exploded does show that the danger of the extremely well done version we have now of just I will blow your fucking you know, head off. When Waller. she put that in his the base of his skull, I thought I was like, This guy's fucking tough. The savant. Savant. Um Savant. Uh, yeah. but when she was putting that in the base of his skull, I was like, his head's gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> The look on my date's face in the beginning of the movie when he, when he kills the bird with the ball. Because she knew nothing about this. And she looked up and said, oh, this is going to be some shit. <laughs> well, and then did you notice when he when he died, when his head exploded in the water and that same type of bird came down and was eating his flesh? Yeah, I didn't notice that. <laughs> <Ate> his brain. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, fuck you, buddy, uh, dude." The, the can we just say that like this is the most punk rock oh, absolutely. movie? Absolutely. Yep. Like it just has the actual like 
feeling of like, I'm going to do what I want with this money and with these actors and nobody's going to tell me what the fucking do. Um, how'd you guys feel about Nanawe King Shark? Um, that, that motherfucker is not going to be able to find a, a plushie or a Funko of anywhere <laughs> in the world for the next year. Ever. I will say definitely with the scene with he and uh, Ratcatcher too, the little friendship scene, I, I definitely teared up oh. a little bit. That was so endearing. Uh, and it really showed that he wasn't just a monster. It was so sweet. Cause he's about to eat her. And then she wakes up and she's like, would you eat your friends? Ugh. And then her oh, rat, so her little rat comes out. And that actually brings me to a cool point that I noticed at this point. Um, this movie has a lot of fantasy elements to it rather than uh, Marvel has a lot of magical elements. And this movie has a lot more fantasy where the, the shark is a sentient being. And so is the weasel. And so is, are the little rats. And I thought that was a really cool, it just reminded me of like, like some fantasy elements. And I thought that that was really interesting. I didn't even pick up on that, but goddamn, that's a good point. And also that scene in particular shows how emotional exposition in this movie is going to work because you're going to find out that some of these people have some, well, all of them have some dark fucked up shit and all of it becomes relevant to the final, mm-hmm. like the, the final scenes of the movie, like seeing Ratcatcher's heart in that or seeing that shark just, you know, doesn't think he has friends in the way that it actually makes emotion. I, it's a James Gunn movie. You know, he's going to shoehorn some like some heartstrings pulled, but to do it via exposition to offset the fucking batshit insane movie that this is, is literally why this is a fucking, it, it's 97% Rotten Tomatoes right now. And it's, you know, fucking something about here. Gunn, he is quality beyond his years. Uh, I love somebody with a little bit, you know, I adored guardian. So I went and looked up his body of work. He doesn't have much of a body of work to be off, you know, pulling off pro moves like this. No, yes. he's just hungry. He's got dude. a vision. He's hungry. He's, he's hungry. And, <laughs> And the, the thing that always cracks me up is if you've ever seen Super with Rain Wilson that he did. That's so good. He's, he's wanted in this arena his whole life. And with Guardians, you know, it's Marvel. And uh, he, he did stuff like with trauma, even if it was just script writing or punch-ups and stuff before he did Super. And gore and batshit insanity is this man's wheelhouse when he wants to do it. Working for Marvel, I mean, he he went full-blown pull-for-your-heartstrings oh, team building and, you know, let's have all this because he's restrained. They took the fucking dog off the leash yeah. for this movie. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, like, I know King Shark is the cutest version character in this movie. There are so many good characters in this movie. But I don't think I, there was a bad one. No, there wasn't. But, like, Ratcatcher 2 is definitely oh, my favorite character so in this movie. Oh, Fucking Peacemaker all the way. Are you kidding me? John fucking Cena. <laughs> Peacemaker's Every- the other, but like he's like the other side. But Bloodsport's awesome too. Bloodsport's fucking the the, the murder off scene between Bloodsport <laughs> and fucking <laughs> And if you notice, that's another instance where almost all of that shot was one pan when they're just going. And yeah. The one thing where he was like, Poof. he's like, non lethal, you lose. And then the dude just explodes. Yeah. Dude, it, it's very, there's a lot of fucking predator in this too. Like, I don't know why. Like, it's like a tonally, there's some predator shit. Like, especially that scene, like where they're taking out the jungle hideout. Um, and it looks like they did so good. And then they go in there and find out they just killed the resistance. <laughs> She was like, she was like, why didn't my people alert me that you were here? <laughs> and then, and then, I, I didn't see people. And then King Shark, 
Like burns a finger with a wedding ring on it. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, that wedding ring was a fucking (laughs) slick touch. I love how King Shark's always like trying to be sneaky. Like he's always like sneaking into a room and he's fucking huge. Mustache. (laughs) mustache. My disguise is a mustache. (laughs) And his board shorts. This movie's so weird. So amazing. (laughs) Oh my God. If you've been reading James Gunn's statements about this, and he said this, I wanted to write the biggest douchebag alive. And when they told me I could do a spinoff series, I didn't even think twice. I called John Cena. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll tell, I'll say that. I've always hated John Cena as a wrestler. I'm like, get out of here with your pandering bullshit. He's great as an actor. I'd rather see him in anything other than wrestling. I never yeah. thought I would hear those words coming out of his mouth. And you're like, which words? Pretty much anything he says in the whole fucking movie, really. The whole speech when they're talking about you know, eating a beach full of dicks. Or Why would the beach be covered in penises? <laughs> you know, but not many people could sell that convincingly in that outfit. And motherfucker, oh, he does. Owns it. If it was for it's liberty, so I would eat a whole beach full of dicks. In your toilet He's- hat. And he plays it so good all the way to the end, even when like like he is he's the peacemaker through and through. He like really his is. mission is his mission, even though it happens with like the moment of the movie where I fucking screamed out in horror because I was like, "You're not gonna kill Rick Flag." I had a theory going <laughs> in that everybody but Harley uh, from the original one was gonna die. Yeah, I'm just pissed that B- B- Boomerang got killed that fast. I know. Like, like, damn it. like I never liked Rick Flagg so much till I saw this movie and I was like, fuck, I like Rick Flagg. Rick Flagg <laughs> was fucking amazingly done because it's he's duty filled, but he also fucking hates his job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he does not want to fucking be here, you know? You know, if you do a checklist of the massive amount of stars that died in that first seven minutes or so, I what in the world I wonder how much money they made for that one scene alone. Oh, I know, right? I wonder how many of them said they wanted to do it just to do it. That's what I was thinking, oh, right, too. Right. Like, I wonder how many of them was like, give me a buck. Yeah, because, <laughs> like, Rucker and Fillion are, like, really good friends with James Gunn. Well, yeah. I mean. So, like, those are those are gimmies. Fucking Slither. What Slither? <laughs> with Henry Rollins. Yay. Um, <laughs> more punk rock cred. There you go, James Gunn. <laughs> but uh, uh, Pete Davidson, you knew, was going to die. But oh, holy yeah. shit, was that whole, not hilarious. <laughs> Holy shit, is that a werewolf? I don't fuck with werewolves. <laughs> I like how Pete Davidson just played Pete Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> See, he could have been any character. You literally could have just called him Davidson. And it wouldn't have fucking mattered. You know what I love? I love that this movie is, if you pare it down, it's still very serious in the fact that it's like a secret agent uh, mercenary movie from the 80s that you would have watched like Delta Force or something. And I think Harley showcased that the most, like kind of being, you know, kidnapped and then, you know, romance and Harley finally got some breakup sex. And then what she do? Shoot him in the chest. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is, this is Harley Quinn's version of a spy movie for her. So, like she's got the weirdest arc. Jamie, what do you think about Harley Quinn in this movie? How do you think she's portrayed as far as like to other Harley appearances? Does, what is this Harley? How does this Harley stack up against Birds of Prey and stuff like that? Oh, well, she in Birds of Prey, I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody anything could top that. And obviously right. it's the same actress, Margot Robbie, which who I love who is Harley Quinn. Um, mm. 
and she did great in this movie. Her her role was a little more downplayed, obviously, because it's not a Harley Quinn movie. It's a Suicide Squad movie. But um, she, I think it was great. And this is coming from when we tried to watch the first Suicide Squad movie before Birds of Prey, just to kind of prepare mm. for Birds of Prey. And it was so awful. And the her portrayal, it wasn't her fault. She did a great job portraying Harley Quinn in that movie. But her portrayal, her, the direction of her character was so awful it was one of the reasons we were like 15 minutes in and like, shut this down. We're not watching this bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, and then Birds of Prey was amazing. But this, I thought it was um, really fun. It was a really fun portrayal of her. And um, obviously she's going to have to play Harley Quinn in anything until the day she dies. So <laughs> um, good job for Margot Robbie. I loved, there's so many moments that were so great that I loved that, um, you know, that, that one moment where she, fuck the guy and then fucking shot him <laughs> right <No>. afterwards <laughs> that was fun um i loved her like being you know tied up and like singing the song and like um breaking the guy's neck with her legs that was awesome how about mm. that fight scene where she leaves oh, oh my God. the fight scene. that's in my notes oh and i like how it's it slowly starts to show some of her insanity while it's happening well and too. they're coming to rescue her they're like well we're gonna keep going on our mission but first we have to rescue harley quinn and they're like are you crazy and they're like she's one of us and and then they they're sneaking in they've got this whole strategy they're sneaking in trying to figure out how they're going to rescue her and meanwhile she's fucking shit up and then she comes out and she goes what are you guys doing <laughs> and i was like that's so awesome i love that it. just started uh, up and uh, like she walked into the hallway and we're watching it and i was like hallway fight <laughs> <laughs> because that's my favorite thing in the whole world is a hallway a good hallway fight a good hallway fight <laughs> is fantastic. and that was another moment where when the, when she was leaving they had the one camera on her while she's just yes, yes. murder fucking everybody with a jab uh, on and another testament to god brilliant choices in music oh yeah oh yeah he really does have uh like a six cents almost with what music is perfect for mm. what scene his very tarantino are the best yes yes that, him and tarantino are very tarantino. similar what? i think it is too because it's but it's more relatable than tarantino it's like this is a song that you know, not a deep cut from an album that you never listened to that my mom gave me on vinyl in 1973. You know, this is a B side of Rush's bootleg album. <laughs> like, I didn't know the song until Quentin Tarantino movie, so thanks. But like with him, it's like it, it tugs at your heartstrings because it's like nostalgic. Nostalgic, yes. And it's like, oh, this is perfect. Oh, of course, you would use this. <laughs> I would use this. Mm -hmm. and this is what I've dissociated to. <laughs> You know, we've cut scenes here a lot already in the film, and we have to mention this technique that Gunn loves to do, which is putting the words of the next chapter oh. into the scenery. Oh, my God. Oh. So artful. Written in the sand on the beach oh, or yeah. like uh, just all of those scenes were so awesome. That was something we really enjoyed. And how it oh. balanced the pacing of the movie. Yes. Like, what's everybody else doing? And then, you know, smoke will go like eight minutes ago. And then you see where everybody else is to see what happened to make stuff for him. Like, his fucking with the linearity of time in this movie is the only way you could properly balance that storytelling. And he pulled it off like a fucking a torch. It was so amazing. Well. No. Now, this movie's going to get some nods, man. Like, there's some brilliance in this directing. Like, it's like, oh, you can do this non linearly. But you can also make it to where it's uh, understandable. Oh. Like it's not confusing at all. No, it's no, not. it's straightforward nope. as fuck. Like you're not lost in it. It's not like 
trying to explain a Chris Nolan movie to somebody. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody's doing fucking fan theories about the Suicide Squad. You watched it. You fucking got it. So. Yeah, unless oh, cool, hands, it happens. Unless her hands, it would have been cluttered. But no, yeah. right here. Yeah. Uh, if WB could have touched it, it would have been cluttered. <laughs> yeah, but apparently. he had full creative right. Like I've been reading stuff about this all week and prep for this. And there was an interview that he said where the head of uh, the studio said, you can kill anyone that you want. And, yeah, they weren't killing Harley. No. And we no, knew they not. weren't going to kill John fucking Cena because we already knew that he has a TV series. So. I'm pretty excited about that. They swear to I'm me. I'm really I th- excited. I actually thought he died, and I was like, well, I guess the Peacemaker show is a prequel, a flashback. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I thought so too, when it happened. Yep. And then, like, of course, the post credit scene was like, oh, yeah, he's alive. Now, as soon as the movie was over, I was fast-forwarding through HBO Max going, no, nah, man, this, don't, don't give me no prequel Black Widow bullshit here. I want more of this. And boom, there he is, still alive. Everybody, everybody's overshadowing Idris Elba in this too. The fact yeah. that he is acting his ass off oh, in this, man. and he's very funny. Honestly, he's the, he's the star of the show. Like, yeah, he, I was so enamored with his performance. And uh, like I said, I don't know a lot about these uh, the background of these characters. I'm just not familiar with most of them, except for like Harley. Um, basically it's my first time experiencing Bloodsport as a character i was very impressed can i break down Bloodsport for a sec please do is that okay okay so Bloodsport is a character who i don't know if you noticed but like he's constantly pulling stuff out of somewhere and it's like is it the suit or is it something else Hmm. and the thing is is that it is kind of something else because in the comics he has a room that he teleports to that has all the pieces of the things that he uses. Wow. Huh. So I think in this, they were kind of convey a little bit of that where he was just reaching into basically his suits, almost like a pocket dimension. He was just like pulling out shit and using it like the slingshot That's and awesome. the pieces of the gun. And it's like, it was on him, but there was stuff that he was also pulling out that wasn't there, but it never showed that. But man, so cool. Cause he's kind of like a combination of sports master and dead shot in a way. Uh, but way more badass than dead shot. Like, this guy, like Deadshot, Floyd Lawton would have trouble with Dennis Dubois. <laughs> or Mark Dubois, I think is his name, actually. But yeah, this dude is trouble. And I've, man, it's so cool watching him use the slingshot and the, the yo-yo. Yeah, that was awesome. That was, that was really cool because I always think of the yo-yo when I think of Bloodsport. And he fucking shot Superman with a kryptonite <laughs> bullet and that's why he was in prison. I've been waiting for you to say that the entire time. Because anybody who's asked me about this going in, like, it just looks like a fucking, you know, it's a replacement for Will Smith. And I'm like, uh, this motherfucker shot Superman with a kryptonite bullet. And that one sentence shuts down any argument about Deadshot right there. So, yeah, he put Superman in the ICU. He's a badass, you know. <laughs> and his character arc was great, too, actually. Like, he oh, yeah. actually does... That scene where him and his daughter and and the prison just yelling "fuck you" at each other. Oh god! <laughs> yeah, Bloodsport also I think is another great testament to the costuming in this movie because somehow his costume is very dull. It's muted colors, but yet it's also somehow very vibrant. Like the gold shines just a certain way, and you see the teeth underneath that helmet just a certain way. That helmet. And the yeah, oh my god, the helmet's amazing. And the in the blue, even though it's kind of muted, it's also still saturated. It's just it's a really nice work. Yeah. I can't wait to see an action figure of it. <laughs> With the mask on, he's just damn frightening. Yes. Yeah. And do you think they're going to make figures for this movie? Like, this is a hard fucking R. This they, is already, a- they already have. They did? Yeah, full weight. Yeah. 
no, yeah. But, this is a hard. This is this is just for us then. Yeah, because you know if my eleven year old wants a, a a fucking peacemaker toy, she's not fucking getting one. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, there's a full wave. Yeah, it, it's Todd McFarlane. This is right up his alley as far as gore and shock for sure. He, I'm sure he loved yeah. it. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. he did. I didn't know McFarlane and, did it. Yeah, lead with that. Okay, yeah, now I want some. And yeah, King Shark's to build a figure, and so this oh, wave cool. is going to get hot. Like, this is going to be a problem now. That's a must If he have. wasn't the build a figure, it would be okay. If he wasn't the build a figure, it'd be okay, but now everybody's going to be like, I got to get them all. Because I'm, I'm, just waiting. I'm just waiting for the baby shark, King Shark memes because they're fucking coming. Oh, he's so cute. He's so fucking adorable. I love no, him. And there was this, there was something that I noticed when they're going for the Starro fight where uh, fucking Bloodsport goes full Captain America giving directions. And I couldn't tell Ugh. if that's a, a satirization from the first Avengers movie or if it's just a parallel. But, you know, yeah. you know, Harley, take the high ground. And, you know, King Shark, it says his name, actually. I can't think of the King Shark's name in the movie. But no, no way. No way. Thank you. Uh, nom noms. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Waller says to Bloodsport very early in the movie, you know, I think I think you're a leader, and if you don't think so, you know, I'll make you one. And, and you see that coming out in him. And and she even calls back to him, and he gives her the ultimatum at the end. You know, I told you I'd make you a leader. Nice. Oh, my God. The Starro thing was, I was worried towards the end of the movie this was going to be tacked on, and motherfucker, no, it was not. Like, that's a legitimate threat, and to see them so underpowered, outclassed underdog in it and it worked that way was i mean that was some i mean i'm sitting there watching it as it's starting up my this needs to be some brilliant fucking writing to get out of this well, and it, it was there it was homemade taste it's in there the little, the little the little tiny starros that he shot out to put on people's faces that turned them into like zombies Drones. Drones, drones yeah. yeah. Drones, The way yeah. they acted, man, such awesome directing with that. They weren't, you know, just yeah. brain-dead zombies. They had that horror movie, like, viciousness to them. And the way they would all talk, oh, man, it was awesome. Really nice so work cool. with that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a mix of Alien and that Rick and Morty episode with their, they, they put their things in people's heads and they all say the same thing at the same time. I mean, yeah. speaking Ugh. of mixing, Jamie mentioned earlier a little fantasy element. This movie walks a lot of different genres. It blends a lot of stuff together, but so well. Yeah. Yeah, like, what genre do you put this? in other than James Gunn because you you can't really say it's a superhero movie because it's equally as much that as it is a spy movie equally as much that as an action movie and And the more that we're fucking talking about it fantasy movie and totally a kaiju movie because that kaiju moments were far more entertaining than Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla King of Monsters and and horror and horror like horror there is some and some heartfelt drama yeah well, ultimately, it's a war movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All that together is a war movie. I mean, between Bloodsport and Peacemaker, there's definitely some Rambo shit happening here. Mm. That's for goddamn sure. Like, I didn't get a Predator vibe. I got a Rambo vibe. Like, I totally Rambo got two. a Rambo, yeah, a Rambo. Vibe. Yeah. Delta yeah, Force. Rambo yeah, stuff uh, like that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. And that's my bread and butter, right? Like, I mean, that's what I grew up with. So I was watching this, and I was like... <gasps> This is great. And uh, I think her name is Allison Braga that plays the leader of the resistance. Uh, I loved her in Predators, by the way. I think that's what also led me to that because she was in Predators with Adrian Brody. Uh, underrated movie, by the way. Underrated. That's a great Predator sequel. Yeah, it's um, a fucking awesome one. Uh, and like she was, she's really like not in it a lot, but she's always great whenever she's in anything. She kind of, she has this presence. I don't know. Um, she really does. 
Yeah, I like her a lot, but man, talk about Viola Davis. Oh my god. Viola Davis, we have not hit enough here, and I like the <laughs> fact that they portrayed her, and this is just my opinion. They portrayed her like a government official running a black ops mission would be like. Yeah. Like just a fucking ruthless Yeah. She's got a murder on. I think oh, yeah. a lot of people in this movie have a full murder on, but hers is just huge, man. Like, all right, yeah, we'll just let Starro eat a fucking country. Sure. Yeah, that'll be seen as at least the state. Yeah, and I think she thing. set up Rick Flagg to die in the beginning of it because he got sent with the... Oh, she uh, definitely did. She thought yeah, that she whole team to was going to die. She yep. she meant and, for that entire team to die. They were a, discra- yep. a distraction. They were a sacrifice. So the second team can come in and take care of business. And she knew that if Flagg saw the hard drive and knew everything that was happening, that he would, you know, be... The re- this is what the, the dynamic between uh, Flagg and John fucking Cena I love so much is that Peacemaker thinks he's some kind of liberty and patriot, and Flag is. Flag like, is, he, yeah. He really fucking is. <laughs> and, like, I was wondering, I'm like, am I going to see some compassion here as Peacemaker's trying to kill him after he's, you know... Because when that starts up, he does, you know, even if it means killing a, you know, a hero and, you know, a, some a servant of our country like oh, you. like he straight up is like, I don't care any, I don't care if I have to kill any man, woman, or child to bring peace <laughs> yeah. to the world. That's what I'll do. It, and it, it shows the sociopathic <laughs> nature that they introduced him to. Because you go back and look at some of the parallels that get set up here when Peacemaker gets introduced and, you know, you know, fucking immediately it's like, yeah, he's got the same powers and skill sets that I do, you know, but I'm better at it. Smaller bullets. And that shit came back to haunt him like I'm on the Oh, yeah, oh yeah, smaller bullets. <laughs> yeah, fuck you with those smaller bullets. Smaller bullets. But dude, one of my favorite things in the movie was nobody likes to show off. Unless what they're showing off is dope as fuck. <laughs> I lost it. I lost it. I would, I would hate to be at an open mic comedy night for the next six months because that's anybody that has that one time they magically crushed it's gonna be nobody likes to show off unless it's dope as fuck like that's getting quoted <laughs> a goddamn oh, lot so brilliant <laughs> fucking i can't say enough good things about this like i knew it would be good and then yeah. like y'all saw it before i did and the hype train's already coming in and i'm like uh, no every time i get a hype train it's i always go yeah it was good you know or but I have this problem where anytime I see something that I think is just really blows me away, I'm like, no, seriously, watch this. This is the best shit ever. And then I'll go back and rewatch it. Uh, I'm talking directly about Rise of Skywalker, for example. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just uh, yeah, yeah. We all walked out of there like that was great, that but was then, so but was it? And then we find out what the script was supposed to be, and we're like, man, we got fucking chipped. Like, like we fucking like they just robbed me at ticket point, man. Shit. This is legit. Like when I tell people, this is the, this is one of the best movies I period have period ever period seen period. I'm not fucking around. No. Like like the way that like in the '80s, like we saw Ghostbusters, and then 20 years later, 30 years later, you're still showing your friends Ghostbusters, and it holds up. That's the Suicide Squad. That is, it is that level. For all level you of- listeners out there, JC had at least me fooled for about an hour because he said he hated it. <laughs> and a group thread on uh, Messenger. And yeah, like, I was like, well, how could he have hated this? Why? Yeah, like, complaining about John Cena, calling him, you know, so toilet funny. head and crab head. And- that all still works fine for me. 
calling him toilet head is hilarious. Oh, it's great. Well, he's like, because he with looks your like toilet it. seat helmet. He's like, yeah. <laughs> it's a sign of liberty. <laughs> so, so you all know that Cena pulled a Ryan Reynolds and stole the outfit, right? Yeah. Because like uh, awesome. two weeks ago, he did Jimmy Kimmel Live, and they had a, a, a stand-in host. He came in in the outfit and outright admitted that he stole it. James Gunn gave him shit for stealing it. And he's like, it turns out if you just walk off the set with it, nobody has any questions. And he won't give it back. He's yeah. been doing all of his public appearances in the Peacemaker outfit. He's just Peacemaker now, and I love it. I love it. Like, what a great character. I love it. It's uh, oh, and talk... John Cena is perfect for that role. Oh, he I is. was blown away by his performance, and I was like, "This is awesome! This is perfect." Nobody t- could have done that but him. And no. and the fact that it does actually show that he's proficient is one thing. But like when they're having again, you know the the jungle murder scene, like the way that you see him just walking by, like step 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 step. <laughs> oh my god, he's like, vicious like, too. You see Bloodsport like carefully hitting somebody in the head, moving the blade, going for the next kill, and he's just like, stabby, 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 climb, 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 blow dart, blow dart. And, he, <laughs> and like, if I can, you know, Bloodsport's killing soldiers. He's climbing up on buildings putting blow darts and women and children. <laughs> that's what he I, says, women and children. He's not fucking lying. That's like, when I realized in that scene that something was wrong. Because there's that girl washing stuff, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, these she's are like good singing guys. a song and just washing things. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. Blow dart. But, I mean, you got to give him credit. He's honest. Oh, yeah. He's very honest. I mean, except for lying about his intentions in the end. But, I mean, he's a, he's a true sociopath, narcissistic douchebag. But, goddamn, is he entertaining. And this shit breaks down in an interesting way, too. Like we talked about the direction of the movie. It is in chapters, like Inglorious Bastards is. Like, you have, uh, like, Operation Harley, which is a whole section which is that whole section we were talking about earlier where it's like Harley goes to the, the new governor's palace and then she, or the El Presidente and she becomes his red dress bride. And then she kills him. Like it's just very, it's very, I love that segment it off. Also, can we talk about casting? There has been, there are a few perfect castings like in this movie, there's a lot of perfect castings, but there's one that sticks out to me. If you've ever read DC comics, Peter Capaldi as the thinker. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like he looks and acts just like the thinker. Like exactly the way I see him when I'm like reading it in him in comics. I'm like, what the fuck? That's the thinker. Like it's just it's just a comic book character literally happening on screen. From the page it, he's to amazing. The Alongside the casting, you know, James Gunn clearly has many talents, but his directing of actors completely the opposite of let's say George Lucas. He is pulling these performances out of these actors on a masterful level. I mean, you know, how many times have you seen a movie where people are standing in front of a green screen reading lines? It's fine. Whatever. As a director, he is just really pulling these performances so hard. Oh, he's so passionate yeah. about it. I think that's what that passion that he has for the story and he wrote it too. So the passion that he has for the story and for the characters I can imagine it's really fun to work for him. I bet mm-hmm. that he has so much fun on set and I bet that everybody has so much fun working for him and pulling that out of themselves for him. And so I, I can imagine I'd love to actually see or read some things uh, people have said about working with him. I can do you one better than that. Um, there's I, I went to YouTube before we did this um, waiting on it to load up. 
and there's a series of like remote interview things uh, with the actors with James Gunn in frame talking about working with him oh, and just cool. being 100% honest. Like, I think Entertainment Weekly has like 15 or 20 minutes of it up so far. And uh, there's been a couple of other late night uh, show appearances. Like uh, I, I watched one of them waiting on this and I found out that the key scene where, you know, Harley Quinn has to get the key off the dead body with her toe and move the foot over her head. Uh-huh. That is actually Margot Robbie. They did it in one take because she had to leave to go to another set. And they were so James Gunn was watching, but not in the screen and was so happy that he watched her do it. Cause you know, she told him, you know, she's a gymnast. She has really strong toes. She thinks she can do it. She did it. He didn't, he was standing to the side where he could see her face. And then when he got to the editing room, didn't see that the cuff on her dress covered half of her face. <laughs> and he thought seeing Margot Robbie's face doing this without a stunt double was going to be this big moment. And you can't see her face. <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. Oh. Uh, the, for John Cena, it was the, uh, when they're given the you die speech to, to think her, uh, when you were sitting there just eating the empanada, they had to take that 36 times. And every time they just gave him a fresh empanada. So he had to sit there for like three oh, hours eating God. 36 empanadas. <laughs> God, it was sick. How funny. Look, my favorite part of that is when Harley's like, I'm walking back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell so you what good. we haven't hit at all was polka dot, man. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming, no. especially the way that it's teased that, you know, I thought you you were the crazy one. I am. And then when you find out how James Gunn version of Polka Dot Man got his powers and he's already been saying things like I killed my mother. I killed a bunch of my mother. Like he says it yeah. uh, to the Everyone resistance leader. Is his mother. Like, where's your mom now? He's like everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> and then you see everybody has it. And I'm like. James, when they say the brilliant twisted mind of James Gunn in the in the tagline of this movie, that <laughs> fucking that, especially when he sees Starro as a giant version of his mom. I, I love I love the fact that he his superpower isn't so much the polka dots; it's bipolar disorder, and he's always depressed. Like he never goes into mania; he's just always in full depression. No, that's not true. He did when he went to the dance floor because he You're thought right, he yeah. was. He thought he was dancing with happy versions of his That's, mother. Oh my god, you're so right. This is the best interpretation of fucking bipolar disorder. Which, which gets even creepier because that one girl is bent over doggy style dancing on him and has his mother's fucking head. And he's just gritted away. All, they all have her mother's head. Mm-hmm. They all do. Oh my god, that's so funny! It just as soon as he said, "I'm a fucking superhero," I I, I, I looked up and said, "Oh, he's about that." He's Before dead. I could finish saying it, like <laughs> slap, <laughs> fucking. But the also the use of powers in this and or abilities or just you know everything like everybody's skill sets was so fucking balanced. Like Ratcatcher, you think it's not going to be able to do shit? shit. And then, you know, this city belongs to them. And then three hundred thousand wow. CGI rats go and eat a fucking conquering kaiju <laughs> and you know harley's insanity and thinking that this fucking javelin has purpose and like oh now i know the javelin's purpose like you could have picked up a piece of fucking rebar and did that it's just her insanity driving her to do it was just it's it's so brilliantly interwound something about that javelin it's magical. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Uh, James Gunn has confirmed, by the way, that that is not the Spear of Destiny, and it is not magical. Oh, I figured it would insane. be. No. Shit. He has confirmed because yeah. uh, that's what kind of spoiled it for me. I was on Twitter at work today, 
And it came up and he reposted something. He's like, I already told you guys I didn't put the Spirit of Destiny in the movie. Harley's uh, actual inspirations are far more entertaining. I thought it was the Spirit of Destiny. I was like, I'm sure of it. I fucking would have if I wouldn't have read that in advance. I didn't know that it was spoiling something for me. But And I can see why people think it too. When she sees it in the escape scene, it shows it like, oh, yeah. you know. But no, not the Spirit of Destiny, just Harley's Insanity, which is, I think, a better answer. And I think it's more yeah, fitting for the movie too. Pretty cool. Hmm. I'm in love with Polka Dot Man still, though. Like, I want that action figure. Like, I kind of think I have a Halloween costume now. Uh-huh. Dave Desmalkian doing that character, man. He's awesome. And also, like, just the weirdness of the fucking character, how he has to, like, shed the polka dots. Yeah. Like, when, <laughs> that first time you see him, he's like, it's a rash. <laughs> John Cena's like, that's a fucking rash. <laughs> like, and then, like, when he shed. They were the way they glow. Oh, what a nice effect. It just looked so vibrant and awesome. I don't know. The first time his face broke out, though, I did just bust out laughing, going, Space herpes! And then then later it comes out, it came from space, and I had no idea. I was just making a joke. I was like, oh, God, Peter Gunn, you're making me feel bad. No, it's (laughs) space fucking herpes. Yes, space herpes. And when he sheds it, when he sheds it, and I love how, like we said, uh, Bloodsport is kind of like in this between of like being the star of the show and being the everyman of like what the fuck the whole movie. But he's like <laughs> he's 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 the reluctant star, but also the voice of reason. Yeah. Whereas John Cena just owns every fucking scene that he's <laughs> <laughs> just chews it up. But yeah, he's like he's watching him. He, he goes. To, you see him go and shed his polka dots because he has to, or he'll die. And it's just, oh my god, it's fucking hilarious. It's so weird. It's so fucking weird. Do we have a do we have a release date for the Peacemaker show yet? Do we know? Has it been announced? Because they're wrapped filming. Looks like early 2022 is as close as we got. Cool. Well, I mean, I imagine since it's James Gunn, the amount of editing that's going to have to go in is probably fucking ridiculous. So yeah, that tracks. And he's also got to balance that with Guardians 3, which is, you know, what he's working on yeah. now. You know, Elba is traditionally very stoic and so much of his acting, even though it's understated in here, like you're saying, he is the everyman and kind of the straight guy. So much of what he's doing is in his facial expressions. I want, oh, no. Yeah, especially when uh, Ratcatcher gives her backstory. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk about that because it's the most touching scene of the whole movie. Um, yes. She's given her backstory about her father and clearly they had a great relationship and and he was a, a, a weirdo, obviously, and passed that weirdo-ness on to her. But she says to Bloodsport, no matter who he was, he loved me, and I wish I could give that to you. Oh, yeah. And then he says, you already have. And mm-hmm. I definitely cried. Yeah, that's what I peered <laughs> up to. It, it was showing her dad, like, shooting heroin and shit in the back frame, and it shows him well, overdose and die. Too. Yeah. yeah. And then it, when it falls back full circle to when she calls all the rats in for why rats? And he, you know, Taika Watiki gives that very nice fucking speech. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God. And then you see her crying and everything. You're like, I didn't expect the chick that plays with rats to make me cry. But this is where we're at right now. I expect her to be the best character in the movie. It's she was part, so. Like, yeah, she was favorite. the best character. My favorite, too. She was so compassionate and like uh, just a, a like a clearly good person. Like. She's the soul her. of it, for sure. Yeah, she's the soul. And, and yeah. down to it when it shows, you know, you know, group of convicts, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it shows Bloodsport's kid go, that's my dad. And, like, such a full circle there, oh, yeah, you know? that's right. I forgot about that. That's great. 
And you know, and it shows the the gift of you know, you know, you remind me of my daughter. Wish yeah. you give that love to you, like you already have. And I, it's never said, it's never implied. I just like to think watching it when he turns around and says, "Fuck it, we're gonna do it." Like it's it's because she was right. He does have good in it, and he does want good. He did do this for his daughter, yeah. even though he acts like he hates her. You know, he's just blaming jail for taking everything out of him. And he turns around and has a "fuck you" moment. But then when he builds that giant gun to start shooting Starro, I'm like, you had this the whole movie. <laughs> like, you could have been taking out mobs of people. Oh, and by the way, we forgot about our biggest biggest loss in the movie, Milton. <laughs> Rip Milton. <laughs> so uh, I want to go around here uh, and just, I'll, I'll start with Mike here. What was your favorite scene or, like, thing of the movie? Well... I was a huge fan, like I said, of that one-shot Harley fight scene uh, that was just choreographed so well. Uh, I love the creative aspect of the animation in there. Uh, I don't know. I, I love so much about every scene in the movie for different reasons. But I, I guess if you're going to ask me what my favorite thing about it is, it's just really that heartfelt connection and Gunn's clever filmmaking. It's just it's that aspect of it that is just nailed so well that. I don't know. It's just so quality and touching and shocking. And that, I think that's the aspect, the gun element. That's what we'll call it. Mm, yeah. Gun element. Like Which that. is great because this movie has a lot of guns. Uh. And uh, Jamie, what about you? I would actually say pretty much the same thing. Um, my my favorite scene was the that Harley fight scene, which I thought was amazing. But the whole movie was just a delight. Um, definitely what the scene that I just talked about with our Ratcatcher 2 and uh, Bloodsport was very touching and human. And so that was a definite favorite scene of mine, but just the character development and like even King shark who you didn't think like, how am I going to get attached to a shark? I think he could have done the same thing with weasel. Like if weasel was in the whole movie, I would have gotten the same attachment. It's it's James Gunn has a way with bringing out this, just wanting to care about the characters, no matter what they are these are a bunch of criminals and at the end of the day i fell in love with all of them and was rooting for them and just what a great story what a great what great storytelling so thanks james gunn i do want to have a one more addendum sorry i don't mean to interrupt but any, no, any, any scene with peacemaker in it was oh, just gold yeah. I, yeah. I was enamored I'll, yeah i'll just leave it with that <laughs> even the one with his with john cena's obvious real junk because like we've we've now seen cena junk and <laughs> ck um, what you got well, first of all, I want to touch on Mike, Mike just for a sec. You said Peacemaker. What was your favorite Peacemaker scene, though? Like, if you had to pick one, just oh real quick. Oh, my God. I don't know. I I suppose when they're walking through the jungle and they're talking about the Beach of Dicks and he'll do anything <laughs> for liberty, that, that sums up what he's doing in the movie so well, succinctly. So I'd probably point to that one, but I'd have to think about it, but that one comes to mind. It's oh, so yeah. weird for me to hear that coming from Mike because he's always the person in my life that's like, if something goes too potty mouth or something goes too extreme, he's like, man, you could tone it down. And he's like, yeah, the beach of dicks. Love the beach of dicks. <laughs> oh my God, that's so true, JC. That's hilarious. Um, This movie, I mean, it's it, like you said, it's really hard to pick a favorite part. Um, It's really challenging. However... I think my favorite scene where I realized this is bonkers and I love every bit of it was just that culmination in the end of fighting Starro where Ratcatcher 2 uses the rats to take it over and Harley has an uh, existential out-of-body experience inside of its eyeball. Oh, yeah. Like, 
jumps into its eyeball with the javelin and floats and watches those little cute things that tried to kill King Shark. <laughs> which are also going to be a plushy toy that everybody wants. And as soon as I saw him, I was like, those things are going to fucking eat him. I was like, they're, they're too cute. They're aliens because this place was like, what was that? Like the Jotunheim was like held by the Nazis and then it turns out like the American government was using it for a research station. That's the plot of the movie in a way. They explain it like five minutes. But which um, is all that it needed without yeah. it sounding like Hail Hydra. That's all you need. <laughs> but like, was like, don't go Hydra here. Okay, thank God you didn't. But that whole thing of them killing Starro and just seeing Starro, man, that's the first Justice League villain of all time. Like when they when the team got together, they fought Starro for the first time. Wow. The first issue of Justice League. Whoa. And seeing those drones and like all of it work together. Man, just seeing fucking Starro and all—I uh, can't get over the fact that Starro is in a fucking movie. That's great. Come on, Marvel, where's Shumagorath? You gonna put him in Doctor Strange too? You better. <laughs> you fucking better. He'd be the only thing not in Doctor Strange too at this point. <laughs> right? I mean, the, the kitchen sink already has an IMDb page. Um, I I want to add to mine too. This is something I made a note of uh, early in the movie when the first team is deployed and people back at. Um, base or betting on who's <laughs> gonna die first the, um i was like oh shit this is gonna be a wild ride <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was the jim carroll song though when it kicked in i oh, was like right. i'm yeah. in i'm fucking in mm-hmm. like as soon as like right, right after that part when that song kicked in i was like let's go i know what this is gonna be this is fucking crazy mm-hmm. crazy movie <laughs> but man this is this is brilliant mm-hmm. there is things done here that People will talk. Can you imagine being a teenager and seeing this movie? Oh, man. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. 16 year old me would have lost my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. T- talk about th- thematically getting a comic book so well. Mm. Like, just being like, this is Suicide Squad. This is what they do. They're the Dirty Dozen. They're the Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Like, this is this is a very Dirty Dozen feel to it that I don't think we've even mentioned because it yeah. very much is. But that's what Suicide Squad was supposed to be. Yeah. It's you know, it's supposed dozen. to be DC's Dirty Dozen. So, yeah. And you know they're not going to make it, but damn, I didn't think that only like a couple of them was going to make it. Like, I'm surprised that it? many did. And, and I like the fact there was fake out deaths on a lot of people too. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're gone. Now they're not. Now they're gone. Now they're not. Mm. Who makes it? Let's see. King Shark, Ratcatcher 2, Bloodsport, Weasel, go figure. Uh, <laughs> Harley and Peacemaker. Harley and Peacemaker. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you think that both Peacemaker and Weasel are dead. So really, it's like four of the main team are the only ones that make it. And that's perfect to me. Because that's a wasn't war movie. A part of that team to begin with. She was part of the, the uh, suicide mission right. at the very beginning. Yeah. She was the only survivor of that. Yeah, she was supposed to die. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll throw mine in. Are you done? Yeah. Or do you have no, go ahead. no, go ahead. Yeah, your turn. Okay. Um Definitely the uh, the that whole jungle sequence. I keep mentioning it, you know, between the murder off and the the dick shots, that was definitely up there. Ratcatcher two's little emotional moment, though, you know, especially with her dad, I thought was definitely up there. Uh, the way that Pete Davidson died, just for personal reasons, because if you've ever followed Pete Davidson's career, there's always been a moment you wish he he got shot in the head. Uh, that made me happy. I'm a fan too, but every now and then you're like, man. Ariana Grande, yeah, shoot him in the head. I got to see that, so I can rewind that one. I'm pissed. Um, I, I really love the fact that Harley Quinn's mental disorder was treated like a superpower, and I like the fact that 
she wasn't so much sexualized as when they tried to, her response was shooting a man in the chest and giving a speech about failed relationships and why she's the way that she is. Because everybody has their moment in the sun to talk about why they're fucked up, except for Flag. And why he's fucked up is because he's a soldier in the government, and that's why gets him killed. The motivations for everybody, they're not clearly stated in the beginning, and that fucks a lot of movies up. They, they state it through actions, expositions, and all actions in this movie had meaning. It's well-balanced, far outside of the superhero genre. And it, it, it pulled me in a lot of ways emotionally. I didn't think it was going to be outside of all the bang-bang, shoot-em-up, boom-booms. I mean, for me, it's not so much a favorite scene or moment. It's an orchestration aspect of you never know what's coming next. There's something for everybody in this movie... I don't think anything was done badly. I, I, I think the problem with it is is people have to top this movie. <laughs> They're fucking not going to. They can try. But no, if I have to go down to just favorite scenes, it's you know the rat catcher stuff, the, the jungle scene, and um, the, the fact that the Starro final battle, they're so under-audited, and they still pull it off because deep down, even though they're horrible people that have done horrible things, it shows nobody's really one-dimensional and everybody can, you know, have good and bad in them. Or, you know, can be mass murderers, but still have friends that still want to save other people, can have remorse. Like, there's a lot of underlying tones in it that just make it tie together. So I guess it's like the tone of the movie would be my favorite part. So yeah, I think that sums up um, all the things that we like about it. The, the burning question is, we've just blown this movie for like an hour. Was there anything that you didn't like or you thought could have been done better or felt like needed included? Because honestly, I've, I, I couldn't find anything. I thought this was cover to cover. I mean, a 97% Rotten Tomatoes DC movie. That should say enough for you right there. I couldn't find anything in it. And I've heard some people say, well, you know, it could have used more Harley, or it could have used. I didn't like the you know the pacing was weird and points. Like I I didn't see any flaws with it personally. I thought it was edited perfect per, perfectly and succinctly. But uh, did, did did you guys find any flaws with it? Like anything they could have done better? Or and the, secondarily, do you hope they do a sequel? Because I fucking hope they don't. Like let this be art. Um, I think that they can do a sequel. But it's got to be very much in this tone and style, and it has to be completely different characters, except for maybe Harley. Uh, you don't even have to have. Actually, no, don't don't put Harley in the next one. Don't do that. Like, make it leave like Ratcatcher two or somebody. But I didn't have a problem with it. No, because I don't have a problem with movies that constantly surprise me when I don't know what I'm expecting. So it's giving me things I didn't know what I want. And that's when I have the best theatrical experience. Like, I didn't know I wanted this. This is great. You know, you're you're giving me the chef oh, recipe. Is, that's good. And that's what I appreciate about yeah, I, this. I can't think of anything I didn't like about it. I was just filled with delight the entire course of the movie, which I really didn't expect. I, I, I mean, I love James Gunn. And I love Guardians of the Galaxy. So... I expected that I would enjoy it, but I didn't expect to be just absolutely over the moon about it. And I was, and I, I, I think I was even trying to nitpick and find things. And I just, there was nothing. I mean, it was the, everything was perfect. Dialogue was great. Casting was great. Story was great. I loved it. Like, and so many, so many parts of it could have been silly. Like the starfish kaiju thing could have been silly, but it really wasn't. <laughs> it was so fun. And, 
just a masterpiece. I absolutely love it. Quick note here. I'm glad that you mentioned the, uh, called it the starfish kaiju, because that's the best way you could have put it. And it should be noted that it's in bright, vibrant pastel colors <laughs> and can barely fucking walk. And it's still the most terrifying. It has like armpit vaginas throwing out mind controlling you know, smaller kaijus to people's faces with alien face huggerdom going and on. Say you just made my point where it could be the silliest thing in the world where it's like ridiculous and dumb. And for some reason it was awesome and not. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's when you have to, when you have to explain these types of scenes to somebody who hasn't seen the movie, they're like, that sounds, that, that sounds fucking dumb. And then when you see it, like, I'm calling it right now. Starro in this movie is the new Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, great, great, yeah. great comparison. Like, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, I agree. Mike, what you got? I've slept on it. I'm not just walking out of the theater, so to speak. So I put some time into thinking about it. And honestly, I can't come up with one conceivable complaint about the film. Uh, there wasn't at any point in the movie where it's was like, eh, you know, that joke was dumb or... I don't know. I could see how somebody could be completely turned off by lots of things in this movie. But for me personally, in my tastes, it just hit everything perfectly. I, I really don't have a complaint. And if there is a sequel, I want it to be five years from now. And actually, I want it to have a different director and actually feel totally different from this one. I want this one to just be its own special thing. Mm. And if I want to see another Suicide Squad movie, I want it to feel completely different, like another director entirely. And now we're just going to go to recommendations. Who wants to start? Um, I have one. It's pretty simple. Uh, on it's on streaming right now. Uh, it's a documentary called Val. It's the Val Kilmer documentary. Oh. Um, what's that streaming is, on? I want to watch that. I th- I watched it. It was either on Hulu or Amazon Prime. You'll have to check that uh, for me. But um, because they're, they're all just the same now to me. Um, what's expendable income but, like? <laughs> <laughs> it's like stealing passwords from your friends. Um, but it, it's it's a hard watch. It's really intense. Uh, there's a ton of archival footage that he has taken over the years. That's what makes this very interesting. So like, wait, why is it a hard watch? Sell, sell, uh, sell, sell us on it. It's going through like what he did as being the biggest star in the world, uh, to having the health problems that he has now, which are, you know, he's going through a lot. He's had cancer multiple times. Um, he's battling cancer right now. Uh, and it's very, uh, poignant it comes off at first you think it's a puff piece but as the as it progresses you're like oh man this is this is artistic but it's it's heartfelt it's emotional it's intense uh it's a bit much at times because like i said some of the archival footage of like the stuff that he went through and i'm not gonna spoil it because you've got to experience doesn't he like live on a ranch now or some shit yeah it's very Trust me, watch this if you're a fan. And if you don't know much about Val Kilmer, you'll really love this because this is like opening up your eyes to stuff. Man, this is, it's incredible. Um, This is, this is a must watch. This isn't just like watch it. This is a must watch. Is this um, like an anthology yeah. or is this like a standalone piece? It's a standalone piece. Right. And man, this That's is That's a good, good recommendation. Watch I, Val. I'm, yeah. I'll never forget out. the uh, first time I ever saw Val Kilmer was uh, his character in Willow. Uh, Mad, yeah. Mad Mardigan, Mad Mardigan, <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, this guy's cool!" So um, that's exciting to to know that that I heard that that was good. So that's nice. That's very good. well, Jamie. Since you're already talking, what's yours? Well, uh, this is a bit of a shameless plug promotion for our podcast. Actually, we uh, recorded our first wrestling 
podcast earlier this week with our friend of the podcast, Christopher Seaton, who's a big wrestling fan and uh, knows a lot about it. So um, I would suggest to anybody that might be interested in wrestling, there's a lot going on in the wrestling world right now to uh, check that out. It's, it's really fun. We had a great time. Absolutely. That'll be on the page and you can check Absolutely. that out. Spotify, iTunes, just like all the biz. Yeah, it's a, is that on our channel? Because I wasn't a part of that. I don't watch wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little wrestling spotlight. Uh, Mike, what you got? Hey, who remembers Zoids? I know there's some people out there that remember Zoids. I remember yeah. Zoids. There's an awesome series on YouTube, so everyone has access to it. And look, if you're feeling a little cold about this, the episodes are only three minutes, four minutes. It's called Zoids Wild Senki. It's uh, S-E-N-K-I. There's only six of them. They're only like three or four minutes each. It is spectacular. It's really high budget for a short amount of time, so it looks great. It's just, you know, giant robotic animals fighting each other in a war being piloted by soldiers. Uh, really, really high quality. I was blown away at Zoids Wild Sinki. Check it out on YouTube. Ooh, yeah. uh, I, I, I actually send me the link to that after this. I want to watch that tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine, I think I got this recommendation from Cody a couple of years ago. But I went by a friend's house and played, and it's an old game, well, relatively old, you know, um, that I'm pretty sure Cody turned me on to of uh, Hades. Yeah. And uh, there's a PS5 port coming out, which I pre-ordered immediately. Um, the, it's coming to the PS5, and the problem with it is, you know, in PC was loading screens, and with the Switch was loading screens, and this is going to have no loading screens. Uh, I love the roguelike games. And uh, the problem with them is I have to be in a mood to play them, and nothing puts you in a mood to play them like a moving process. And <laughs> I wanted to go finally try Returnal since uh, Mike D had you know mentioned it in the podcast. <laughs> but uh, if you have if you are familiar with roguelike games or just want something that's challenging and rewarding, but not like Dark Souls kill yourself challenging, and you like that you know that Diablo style camera and you know frenetic action, the one thing that I did like was every time that I, I played through it. I had different abilities and was already starting within a couple of hours to get different weapons and, you know, seeing different ways the game could play. And I know people that have been playing this for, you know, upwards to 70 or 80 hours. I'm like, yeah, every time I escape, because this whole thing, you know, you're Hades' son, you have to escape, you know, the, the monoliths of hell. And, you know, you don't know if you know, that thing that worked for you, that last playthrough is going to work for you, this playthrough. Why I chose it over Eternal Mike, it's because it has an auto save. And <laughs> hey, I'm gonna say right there, fuck Returnal. I regret buying that game. Much- <laughs> really? Yeah. Look, I hate to you admit it. You re- you tried to get me to buy. It. You blew my fucking phone up. Going, hey, buy Returnal. I mean, yeah. You're gonna love it. It's bullet hell. It's fun. Yeah, but then I played it for more than four hours, and the, the, you know, it's amazing at first, and it's so crippling because, like you're saying, with all these save points and whatever that Hades offers. None of that in Returnal. I mean, if you're going to play this game, you're going to sit down for three hours and probably accomplish absolutely nothing oh my and God. then be incredibly frustrated. Fuck that. So uh, have you played Hades, Mike? Because if not, I'm recommending it to you. Yeah, I, I haven't, but I've read about it. And every article or every uh, Reddit comment that I see agreeing with me about Returnal, saying, fuck Returnal, they're like, play Hades. Uh, oh, just wow. play Hades. No, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not making that up. So I, I am cool. interested. It's a good game. It's a good so game. anyway, that's our recommendations. Thank you for tuning in to Geeks and Hair to the Earth. Please go make sure that you've been keeping up with all the stuff we've been putting out lately. We've got our Masters of the Universe Part 1 review, our Loki review, our Black Widow review, a wrestling episode. And we've got a lot more shit coming up in the future. 
recording schedule is getting a little bit back to normal. So please like, subscribe, tell your friends. There's some things that you'd like to hear about and send it to us and the, on the Facebook page. And uh, we will definitely put into consideration, try to do whatever you want us to do. We are at your mercy. And if not, you listen to whatever we say. <laughs> You're at our mercy. But thank you, true believers. Thanks for tuning in. I'm JC. I'm CK. I'm Jamie Skull. Woo, Mike D, we're out. Bald de bozi bat, bleep up. Ah!